podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Support the podcast on Patreon by joining the It's All Cobblers to Me fan club. Every month, you'll receive access to exclusive bonus content, such as our Meet the Staff series, hear our player interviews before anyone else, and be invited to regular meetups. By joining the fan club, you'll be helping us to continue our sponsorship of NTFC women's player Abby Bruin and enable us to keep the podcast and all our other content going to the high standards you expect. To join the fan club, go to patreon.com forward slash cobblers to me. I'm Tom Cliff, creator of the world-famous online stand-up bingo, which started out its life at Northampton Town Football Club. Join me every Saturday at 2.15pm on the Cafe Track Facebook page for your chance to be crowned stand-up bingo champion of the world. Every ticket purchase goes towards keeping Cafe Track and Track NN, a social enterprise dedicated to helping people to access work experience and hopefully employment. Buy your ticket now at buymeacoffee.com forward slash cafe track. Make sure you leave your chosen 15 numbers between 1 and 90 in the comment section and then play along live on the Saturday afternoons before the Cobblers game. So go to buymeacoffee.com forward slash cafe track now and get your ticket for the world famous stand up bingo. Osman against Brad Jones to put Liverpool out of the cup and not that to three! Hello, welcome to It's All Cobblers to Me. Thanks very much for pressing play on this week's preview show. As usual, I'm joined by my good friend Danny, who is here right with me. But also, uh, later on, we're joined by a Shrewsbury fan. But Danny, I've got some big news for you. Oh yeah. There's been a new addition in the Commons household. All right. Uh, now, I know that you we're not chickens? doing this. No, I've not got any chickens, no. Oh. Uh, I, I know that we're not doing this on like Zoom or anything where we can see each other, but um, I'm holding up, as if you can see it, my brand new Chlorophortum Commosum Ocean. Basically, it's a nice plant for my oh. office. Nice. <laughs> I have no idea. I thought it was like a new line signing that we've just brought in or something but no 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 it's uh do you remember not. the rugrats yeah do you remember chucky from the rugrats yeah remember his hair oh yeah yeah a bit like that but green uh, nice <laughs> yeah that's that is the height of the excitement of this uh, week incredible. considering there's been no incredible game. news <laughs> well we haven't got a tuesday night game to cry about like <laughs> depress the opposition fan with this week have we so no it is <laughs> we might it, as well talk about your plant instead yeah, well exactly i just thought plant life that'd do yeah. i'm sure that'll that'll get 10 minutes uh filled that'd be lovely um <laughs> maybe not how are you mate are you okay yeah yeah i'm all right yeah Still, um surviving the protests of bristol which has gone quite mad over the last couple of days i was gonna say um, it's uh, gone gone off a little bit it, it since, has, since yeah. you've moved there <laughs> <laughs> you know me Charles wherever I go a protest follows oh dear yeah. <laughs> well I'm glad you're okay I, the one thing that I, I, I want to ask you is have you um, 
got more depressed since we recorded on Sunday for the normal weekly show? Or have you, a bit like me, settled down into more of a, you know, kind of relaxed, I was going to say forgiving, I'm not forgiving, but but sort of just balanced, accepted yeah. mood? Yeah, definitely got it out of our system on Saturday, on the, well, on Sunday on the recording, didn't we? And I think that was a nice form of therapy for me um, to get that out of my system. <laughs> and, and I think you're right, it's just kind of a resigned sense now at the moment it? until we come up with another magic three points from somewhere again and then giving us all hope and the cycle begins again. But I, I'm not expecting it. I mean, for Dane Oliver's done us a nice little favour tonight by scoring the only goal against Wigan uh, to keep them at fingers I'm, length. I was going to um, say, it's not quite <laughs> arms length, is it? It's <laughs> no, not uh, really. definitely fingers. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, we're recording on Wednesday night, as we normally do. Um, so there was that one game, Gillingham against Wigan, which a couple of people in our Slack channel, um, which is exclusive to our Patreon supporters, by the way, if you want to join us, it's as basically sign up from as little as £2 a month. That'll get you in the Slack, patreon.com forward slash cobblers to me. Yeah, a couple of people have thought, oh, you know, this is Wigan's game in hand. They got a bit excited, didn't they? But it turns out they're not playing on Friday. So as soon as we play this game against Shrewsbury, then, then we're going to be back, you know, one game advantaged on Wigan uh, and yeah. a couple of others. Um, yeah, it's, I need more than that to give me hope, I think. <laughs> Joanna? Do you need a Joanna to give you some hope? <laughs> Richard, <Yeah>. maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely. Well, look, um, let's just get straight into it this week. We have got no game from Tuesday night, as we said, to talk about. This Friday, which is a good Friday, hopefully it actually will be this year, uh, we are, um, well, we're playing a team who I like to actually look at and sort of go, well, do you know what? They're a team similar to us, I think. And we should be always, in my opinion, in the same league as them. I, I, I don't think that they are a big team for this league. And I don't think that they're a small team necessarily either. I, I do see Shrewsbury as being mid-table, League One side, which is where we should really be, I think, as a Cobblers fan at this moment in time. Obviously, we're not because we're rubbish. Um, but let's get the opinion of a Shrewsbury fan. So let me introduce to you Ollie, who is from the Salop cast. How are you doing, Ollie? Are you okay? Yeah, I'm very well, thank you. Thanks for having me on. You're very welcome. You're very welcome. So I, I think the best place to start with Shrewsbury right now at this second is just to find out Steve Cottrell he's obviously not been very well been in and out of hospital a couple of times how's he doing yeah we actually had um quite encouraging compared to previous weeks if you imagine we get an update most weeks in the press conferences and as you know there's normally two press conferences a week so we get quite regular updates and we actually had a positive update um last week um Dave Longwell one of the coaches who was doing the press conferences um, was yeah, saying anything. The manager's getting better. He's standing better. Um, and then I saw today that he's doing walks and things like that. So, yeah, he's he's getting better. Um, hopefully, he'll be he'll be ready for next season. I think that's the that's the hope that most Shrewsbury Towns fans have that he'll be ready for next season. Good. That's good news. Then. Um, I, I mean, it, it's one of those um, horrible, horrible situations. Every now and again, randomly, or not randomly, obviously, but. Once in a blue moon, you'll hear of a manager that's had to go in and have an operation. Um, there was just last year, um, I can't remember his name, former Morecambe boss, 
uh, who went to AFC File, Danny. Uh, what, Bentley, is it? Jim, Jim Bentley. Bentley. Yeah. yeah, I think so. He had a heart operation, I think. Um, and, you know, it's not nice, is it, when that sort of thing happens? And and obviously all fans and all people would just send their get well uh, wishes and, and everything to anybody like that. But But with this, it's like... It's proper horrible. And I mean, Steve Cotter has not really been at the club at Shrewsbury long. And, you know, he's his first season with you, he's, he's what featured maybe for half of the time that he's actually been the manager. Um, it, it's not great, obviously, that he's not been well. Um, so we do obviously wish him a speedy recovery um, on behalf of everybody that, that supports Northampton and listens to our podcast. Um, but I mean, the one thing that I want to do is, is be positive about it. I'm sure he's going to be fine. Hopefully, fingers crossed, he'll be back managing by the end of the season for you. Um, because he's <laughs> he's done an amazing job as well, Ollie. From the outside looking in, he's been a real coup for you to get him as your boss. Yeah, absolutely huge cue. I'd say um, he is a championship-level manager. Mm-hmm. And there's actually quite a lot of them. There isn't there in League One at the moment. But yeah, he's definitely a championship-level manager. And um, I do a every so often update um, and put it on Twitter. And I call it the Steve Cottrell League table. <laughs> um, and in the Steve Cottrell League table, so from the, um, the 25th of November up to now, um, we've played 22 games, which is less than virtually every team above us. Um, some teams have played three more games than us, um, but we're actually eighth in that league table. So we're one point behind um, Gillingham, but Gillingham have played three more games. So I think that just wow. puts into context, um, you know, how well we've done. Um, the, the results we got in um, in November and December when he was around, and it's actually interesting, what's not interesting, it's sad, it's a real shame that he's actually been kind of working from home longer than he was in the dugout. Um, but yeah, what he's done, and then also what Aaron Wilberham has done, um, acting as kind of half assistant manager, half manager has been absolutely phenomenal. And I think also a lot of credit for the players as well because you know they've been working very hard um, and we've been you're grinding out those results. Do you remember his first game in Charles? In, in Charles? In Charles? Hello. <laughs> do you remember his first? Do you remember his first game in charge, Ollie? Yeah, I do. It was um, a Tuesday night game against Accrington Stanley. Ah uh, well, because I've uh, I've got it written down as something else as the Oxford City. I oh, think, it was Cup the Oxford win. City. I've always just focused on the league. Sorry, yeah, it was on the Sunday. You managed to do what we couldn't, so maybe we should have acted earlier <laughs> and got him oh, in. I actually watched your game against them as well. <sighs> that was a heartbreaking game from a Northampton fan's perspective. Oh, it, it it wasn't. It was just angry. Ninety <laughs> minutes of anger. It was pathetic. I remember just being so angry after that. And yeah, I think you seem to have. Um, acted in the right time in terms of getting Cottrell in. Um, how is yeah. it actually working with him? Is he is he phoning like half-time instructions? Is he watching the games? Yeah, he's... I think the, one of the, the, the reasons why Steve Cottrell's had such a good management career is because of his hard work. So basically, he moved mm. to Shrewsbury from Bristol and mm. never spoke, saw his wife again. <laughs> he just went to <laughs> Shrewsbury and didn't Jeez. see his wife for weeks and weeks and weeks um, because he's just like absolutely football-obsessed. And um, he's been, yeah, spilling tea and ice cream in games when he was in hospital. Um, he's probably on Y Scout now, watch scouting players, looking at opposition squads. So he has been working really hard. I, I get the impression that he's kind of, he has toned down a little bit, obviously, since he went back in with COVID pneumonia. Um, but yeah, he's, he's, he's been absolutely fantastic. He, he still picks a team. 
um, using feedback and obviously the games that he watches. Um, so he's still very, very heavily involved. We did have a debate on our podcast about whether we should class, you know, class these games as Steve Cottrell games, but very much they are Steve Cottrell games because he's very, um, very much involved in making decisions. That's really interesting because obviously his wife's probably going spare with him and just going, <laughs> will you just put that down, <laughs> you know, and just concentrate on getting better. But obviously he is a football man and, and he really, you know, he, he still appreciates that he's got a job to do, I suppose. Um, I mean, that's amazing. I mean, what has Steve Cottrell actually done in the time that he's been in charge? So, in terms of where you were before, because I know you guys weren't happy with your previous management team towards the end. No, um, I actually coined a term um, in February 2019 called Ricketts Ball. And um, <laughs> when you make a term, and uh, we didn't like to talk about ourselves very much on podcast, we don't do that very often, but we do, I will do it here. When you hear your term on BBC Shropshire, that is quite funny. Um, and yeah, the Shrewsbury fans kind of took to it because the football was turgid. Um, we scored less than a goal a game last season under Ricketts. Um, we had 0.69 points per game this season when he was when he left. So yeah, when Sam when, when Steve Cottrell came in, um, yeah, we I never could have managed and we would be where we are now. And what he's done has been absolutely phenomenal. Um, so what has he done? So he really started with the basics, just organisation, organisation. And just coaching. So we're quite fortunate we've got a Shrewsbury Town fan who played professional football a few games for Torquay and Hartlepool and then played um, non-league. And we have him on every now, every now and again and he gives us like amazing insight. And he, he played centre-back and he was talking about the defender's shoulders not being open and their positioning being wrong and things like we weren't tracking in after a penalty was taken. Like really little basic stuff. So we got the basics right again. And then he just made us really, really well organised. So we were playing um, three, four, one, two, um, and we just basically was really, really resolute. We kind of stopped conceding goals. Um, the confidence in the back um, back line um, came back, um, and then we just started hitting teams on the counter, and we started picking up results. And then from there, it kind of like players' confidence improved, and we yeah we got back to where we should be because. We have got a good squad. We've got a decent, solid League One squad. We we don't have a lot of creativity. And we don't have very good strikers, but we have very good midfielders, a very good goalkeeper and very good central defenders. So has there been much turnover with players since Cottrell's come in? Or has he managed to just take the same squad that Ricketts had and just change them and give them that confidence? So um, in terms of like the back line, there's like Pennington we've got unknown um, from Everton. Um, we signed um, a lad called um, Nathaniel Ogbetta, who is a name to keep your eye on. Um, I wouldn't be surprised. He'll definitely play Championship football. Mm-hmm. He might play Premier League football. And we signed him on a free transfer for Man City on the 23s in January. Right. Um, he's phenomenal. In the last two games, he's assisted two and scored one. Against St. Pompey, he decided to run forward and hit the ball on his right foot from outside the box and it went in. He's absolutely phenomenal. He's 19 um, and he played for England in the 20s when they won the World Cup in the squad. He didn't actually start, but he was he's you know a player of a high pedigree. And then also we signed Harry Chapman from Blackburn, who scored six goals. Now, he doesn't play every game, but he, he scored obviously some really key goals. But the probably the best performers, the players that are already there. So um, Sean Goss, who was forced to train with the under-18s, was put back in the squad and he's been fantastic. And then Josh Bella, 
Ollie Norburn, central defenders I've already mentioned. Um, he also brought um, Donald Love back out from the cold as well. He was kind of sent to train with the kids as well. And he's really improved. So it just comes down to Cottrell and from uh, Wilbraham being really, really good you know, man management and getting the players improved and building their confidence. So that's really interesting, I think, Danny, because obviously it's a similar situation that John Brady's had with us, albeit without a transfer window. Um, things have changed for the Cobblers since uh, Keith Curl's days, but not to the extent, like nowhere near. The, the the change that has happened at Shrewsbury this season is completely different to what has happened mm. at Sixfields, I think. Yeah, and I think, um, like Ollie was saying, it seems to be down to the players already there having that quality in, in place and just them um, needing to eke, or cultural needing to eke it out of them. And um, whereas we haven't got as many <laughs> or any base baseline of a, of a really good squad. Um, for like, like um, under the previous manager, um, they just didn't come out of themselves or didn't play half, half as well as they, they could have done. They weren't set up properly by the sounds of it. Um, but the quality has always been there deep down. So that, that comes to the fore under a good manager, doesn't it? So, it's just we haven't got that to work with. <laughs> <laughs> it's so upsetting, isn't it, when you put it like that? It really is upsetting. Um, so should we should we go back and just revisit that game at Shrewsbury at the start of the season? Uh, one of Keith Curl's, you know, small amounts of wins uh, that he got for us this season. Obviously, we, we've talked an awful lot about how even when we've won games this season, we've not particularly been, you know, brilliant to watch. And the win has kind of papered over a lot of the, you know, a lot of the cracks most of the time. I'd be interested to know what your perspective on that game was, Ollie. What did you think of Northampton back then? And was it a game that you felt that you guys should have won and you lost it somehow? to a poor team yeah I totally agree with that summary um, yeah uh, a very uh, not a very a poor league one side um, yeah I, looking at that game I'm not surprised you're still in the relegation battle even though you've changed manager and mm. yeah we that was a that was actually one of really funny but that might sound a bit odd but that's actually a bit of a bright spot from a performance point of view because we yeah we absolutely dominated that game we had nearly 70% possession and had 19 shots um, but the trouble with with Sam Ricketts' team is they just couldn't couldn't finish their dinner. They, we'd always concede, um, and we yeah just couldn't score. We we actually because we got so bored of saying the same things, we actually tried and we did a live pod. So we recorded the podcast watching the game live and edited it and put it out. And around that time, we played Ipswich, um, and I remember saying about the 80th minute, we're definitely going to concede here and lose the game, and we did. And that's just how we had absolutely zero confidence in the team. Um, and yeah, it's, it feels like yeah, it feels like a, like almost two seasons ago that game. It feels such a long time ago, um, and it, it, yeah, it kind of surprises me that I think that you know there's yeah quite a few players from that team um, still still here. So Ebanks, Landor, Williams, Sarsic, Vela, and Walker and, and Warley have all played recently, and Pike as well. Um, quite a few of them have moved on or don't, not in the squad anymore. But yeah, it's, it's it, was a, it was a very very frustrating game from a Shrewsbury fans' point of view. But it wasn't a surprise because, you know, by this point we were we were very we thought that we might have to get a manager change, and it was almost we were in that waiting period. 
Mm. Um, for me personally, we hadn't said quite yet that we want the manager to go, but we were getting very, very close to kind of making that kind of call. So at the moment, you're sitting 17th in the league table. Um, you've played 35 games, just to put this in context. That's a, quite a bit less than the majority of the teams in the bottom half of the table. For example, we've played 38. Um, so you've got three games still to play on us um, and the likes of a few others as well. 46 points. Are you happy with where you are in the table? And, and also, the other question that I've got is that there's been a lot of talk for the last well, few weeks from our point of view of that basically it's it's four teams from seven who are in this relegation fight. And that basically takes us up to 18th and, and Burton. But you're only five points ahead of that. And I'm not saying that you are definitely in a relegation battle or not, but how, how do you feel about it? Are you yeah. still looking over your shoulder or not? I am. My, my, my co-host of my podcast, Glenn, he's a bit more optimistic than me, but I'm still a little bit nervous because mm. you guys know, you know, this division, you can fall very quickly. Um, so two seasons ago, I remember Warsaw fans joking and taking the mick out of us, saying, oh, look where you are. And they plummeted from a, quite high up all the way down and went got down. So there's always a team that often sinks really fast. I'm not sure if it's going to happen this season. I'd probably, yeah, put that line. We played Burton last week and they didn't look very good. Um, got quite a few in number of injuries now. But yeah, I would say I think we win two of our games in hand. I think we get over 50 points. I think we're mm-hmm. safe. Um, and as you said, we've got three games in hand. Um, which hopefully should be enough for us to to be safe. Yeah, I don't think there's any question about it. No, <laughs> no I don't like, think based so. Based on either. what I've seen of the bottom seven teams that are awful, there's it. It is literally a mini league now. I don't think there's any chance of you. Getting and I think probably Burton are probably safe as well. Yeah, just about as well. I think. Yeah, yeah I think Burton. Are so annoying that. <laughs> yeah, you look at the team, there, don't you? Like them. Um, there's um, like a really good Swindon podcast I listen to occasionally. And it's interesting to get the vibe from their club. And they, they hate their manager. They don't seem to be particularly fond of their chairman. Um, mm. And I've heard some interesting stories from those guys in terms of what's going on with their their squad. And that kind of club, is, that's not a good place to be, is it? When you've got a manager you really don't like, um, who's been calling players out going into the last few weeks. So maybe Swindon can do your favour and go below you in the next few weeks. Well, it would be the icing on the cake to get that, you know, anywhere near. I mean, I'm personally resigned to relegation. I don't know how you are, Danny. Yeah, I think you're you're still roller coastering it, aren't you? Yeah, I think I'm pretty much resigned to it. <laughs> but yeah, and it, it is odd because we were talking about this before we started that that you look at us in twentieth, and uh, from the outside you think oh, I've got a great fighting chance of, of staying up, and you look at <clears throat> everyone else dropping points. But it's just a quality issue. It's just I don't see where it, where we go in that squad that's <clears throat> that's like good enough to to stay up, but. You never know. It might be one of those cases where four teams are worse than us. <laughs> I mean, it's also it's the case for me that you, you look at it and you go, right, it's so tight. So Rochdale are bottom on 32, but they've only played 36 games. Now consider they're, they're four points behind us. So I know that they've, they would have to actually win their games in hand and that's not a, a given at all by any means. And I I also don't know who those games in hand are going to be against for them. You know, for all I know, it could be Sunderland and Hull or, you know, any of the other big guys. Um, so, I mean, there's no guarantee that they will win those games in hand, but you've not only have you got Rochdale that have got two games 
to play on us, but you've also got AFC Wimbledon as well, and they're mm. on exactly the same points as us. So there's already just looking at that two games out, oh, sorry, two clubs out of the four below us that are in the relegation zone that could pick up points simply for the fact that they've got more games to play, and you know, until the end of the season. For me, I mean. It, I don't know how it's going to work out. I don't know whether it's going to be the usual case of that last day of the season is going to be that same day for every single club. It's going to be hard to fit all of the games in that have got left to play because we're so close to the end of the season now. I mean, okay, we've got what? Is it eight games left? Um, Yeah. It's just... It's It's got to go to the end really, isn't it? Well... yeah, but I can see us sort of sitting there looking at it at the start of the day on that last game of the season, being relatively in the same position as we are now. And then all of a sudden it'll be, you know, we'll be bottom by the end of that 90 minutes. <laughs> it would be such a cobbler's way of the season ending. Um, I was just looking at the last two games issue. of the season and, yeah, Rochdale have got Doncaster Rovers and MK Doms who are probably not going to have anything to play for. Mm-hmm. And you guys mm-hmm. have got Blackpool and Sunderland probably will have something yeah. to play for. We've got yeah. a difficult running. That's pretty heartbreaking for you guys. Like, yeah. you, you just want teams who have just given up the ghost on yeah, the season. And just, yeah, that's what you want at this stage, isn't it? The one thing that I'll say, though, Danny, is that we have played better and we have won games against teams that are higher up the table and the ones that we're unexpected to win. Yeah, I'm not saying have, that it's definitely going to happen, but I mean, no, I think I'm it's just... more likely <laughs> in the way that it's been. We're more likely to win a go- win those games, or at least pick up points in those games, than we are against, you know, the likes of Shrewsbury, who are around us. I know that you're still quite far away points wise, but you know, three places in the league above us. Um, as soon as you put the word six pointer into a game we collapse so and I mean this isn't a six pointer by any stretch um Shrewsbury might as well be on Mars compared to where we are in the table I think but um it's one of those where I just sort of wonder is that where the glimmer of hope comes the fact is is that who have we got left to play in the bottom six it's just Bristol Rovers isn't it just Bristol Rovers yeah so that's one game that we'll probably lose if we win all the others, we're up. <laughs> I'm still not there. I'm not with that optimism at all. But uh, we'll see. Your running is tough, isn't it? You got it's really Hull, tough. Yeah. Posh, Ipswich, Gillingham. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, <laughs> it's horrible. Is it? Is it a case for you guys of just like consolidating now and just looking at what you can do for next season? Yeah, most definitely, and it's um. Interesting and probably not good news for your fans that um, we rested our two best players against Pompey. I saw that, yeah. Yeah, so we didn't play Sean Worley, who's got six goals, and we didn't play Harry Chapman, who's got six goals. Um, I didn't really think of anything at the time when we were doing the pod on the Sunday. I thought about it and I was like, ah, that's quite interesting, actually. We rested them and we've been doing a lot more rotation recently because we kind of played the same team, kind of burnt them out, and now we're rotating quite a bit. Mm. Um, And yeah, Yeah. when you don't play your best two players, um, we've obviously important weekend coming up um, bank holiday weekend coming up yeah I think we did rest them with the kind of because if we get those three points against you we're on 49 points then um, still with those games in hand um, that puts you in a lot stronger position and yeah I, I think you're right that's where Shooter Towns fans heads are at the moment um, getting getting excited and looking forward to next season still with a little eye on the league table but yeah they're very much looking forward to next season and getting quite excited to be honest 
Yeah, Aaron Pierre's back as well, isn't he? Look about yeah, like. he's back in training and running, so he might come back into the side. Yeah, we love Aaron Pierre, absolute colossus, and yeah, we, he hasn't we haven't scored a goal from a set piece since he's been off injured. Um, so yeah, <laughs> it'd be good to see him back in the side. I remember thinking that when Pierre moved, being quite, there were a lot of Cobblers fans, weren't there, Danny? That sort of went, well, what's that move? You know, it. it mm-hmm. Shrewsbury aren't like I sort of said in the intro that I don't see Shrewsbury as being any bigger than us as a football club. I think you've got a nicer stadium than we do. Um, but your what's your attendance, Ollie? Your your maximum attendance you can get? Maximum attendance is like nine thousand nine hundred or something. Yeah, um, so you've got about a thousand extra seats or tickets yeah. or whatever you know to give away than we do. So. Uh, Relatively speaking, I don't really think that the clubs are, are miles apart I think, whatsoever. I think in terms of structure of town and all that kind of stuff, I would agree with you. Mm-hmm. Where I'd, I don't know what your training ground is like and stuff, but we have invested a lot in our training grounds. We've got a really good training ground now, um, purpose-built one and things like that. So we, we have progressed as a club, and I think that helps us. I'm not sure what your training ground's like, but yeah, from as a neutral, <laughs> thinking of Northampton with your issues with your stadium and stuff, yeah, like, I understand. Yeah, from a size of a club and fan base and stuff, totally mm. review. Infrastructure-wise, we might be a little bit ahead of you at the moment. Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, so our training position is that... Well, well, what's the, the training ground? Time, yeah, what's <laughs> the training ground? I mean, the clubs say, don't they? Because what have we got? We've got... A, is it a Moulton or is it the university? I can't remember which Moulton, one it is. Moulton, college, Moulton. Yeah. So we, we basically it's shared or it's it's part of the college but it is there and it is ours. And the club will argue that we do have our own training ground. It's just that we don't own the you know, the surroundings of it, if that makes sense. But it's us that paid money to get it up to scratch, so to speak. And, you know, we put the money in. So I always, you know, maybe I am just being a bit um, too happy clappy, if you like, but... You know, I I don't have any reason to sort of turn around and say, well, our training ground isn't up to standard, or it isn't. You know, no, I I do think it's quite a big thing though when you're looking at transfers like that. It's probably one of the key things that changes people because you're going there every day, aren't you? And, and if you if you're looking at, they? yeah, yeah. And you, so why? You, so in that case, then, Danny, why don't the club admit that it's something that they could look at? No idea. Have to ask them. <laughs> well, we have. We it's, tried it's to, haven't we? Clearly not like high priority at the minute, is it? To, yeah, to I think we it, said but, um, probably maybe sunk about a million in. Yeah, and Lincoln did the same after their cup run, didn't they? As well, I think they did. Yeah, so stuff. when we sold Toto Enciala and John Nolan to, to Ipswich for one point two million, I think a lot of that money was sunk into the training ground because mm. uh, it's yeah, it's the building, it's the the, the yeah, the drainage and all that kind of fun stuff. That's interesting. So how, how did your fan base react to that? Because I, I presume that therefore, because I've got no issue with that, by the way, I think that's a really good way of doing it. Same way as what Lincoln did with their cup runs, sinking their money into training facilities and all the other things that they did. They did loads. Um, but what about the fans? Were there any fans that sort of went, well, actually, where's the money for the players, for the transfers? It's really interesting you say that. Over the course of the last... Probably like, I don't know, it's not 10 years. It's a nice, that would have been a nice round number, but probably that's like six, eight years. I'd say the fan base has gone from kind of, yeah, saying to the chairman, where's the money? Where's the money? We need to sign some players to actually being really, really proud that we're one of the best run clubs in the country. Mm. So we've got no debt. We've 
we did pre-COVID, we had at least a million and a half in the bank um, of, of cash. Um, and we know what we are. We know that we're a club that's not going to go to the wall. And we've got owned by a local, local businessman who's run the club since like for a long, long, long time. And the fans are quite proud. So the majority of fans don't mind that and see the benefit of it. Um, and to be honest, it wasn't really a discussion point. I can't really... I can't really remember many people really talking about it apart from, oh, it's great, we've got a new training ground. There was no, oh, mm. I'm sure there's a few a few people getting angry and stuff. Um, but I guess what we've seen, and I think probably the Paul Hurst season has shown us that the Paul Hurst season, the season when we finished third in League One, is that, mm. you know, you can do it through good recruitment. Um, and that's the sad thing about um, Sam Ricketts, is that we had a head of recruitment called Adam Hemshaw, who right. helped us sign on loan Ben Godfrey. Dean Henderson um, signed like you know players from like like John Nolan from who got relegated to Chesterfield. He helped to sign those players for that Paul Hurst team. Sam Ricketts didn't rate him, so Adam Henderson went to Doncaster, and Doncaster haven't got a bad squad now. Mm. And this week he's just got a job at Aston Villa as head of talent <laughs> recruitment. So Sam Ricketts ripped up all that kind of stuff, all that kind of backroom stuff that we had. We're about to rebuild, um, so we've got a head of recruitment again now. And we've got analysts again now, and all that kind of stuff. So it's um, yeah, it's been a bit of a resetting for us. I think uh, that 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 brings us to um, something that's been talked about within our fan base uh, of late. Well, this this season really um, has been about having that side of the um, sort of backroom staff as being more embedded with the club, if you like, so that. You know, the word technical director, I think, is what a few people call it. Um, so rather than it being something that, or a position that the manager has the option to hire and fire, that would come down to the board. So I suppose almost like a bit like a director of football role used to sort of be. And, and I know that they weren't always particularly liked in this country. But actually, if Henshaw had been in a position where the manager wasn't the person that could hire or fire him, then he would have remained at the club and it would have been a case that, well, you know, part of the interview that saw Sam Ricketts get the job would have been, can you work with this guy? Yes or no. And if he to turn around in the thing and say, well, I don't think he's any good, I don't rate him, then he probably wouldn't have got the job because he'd have been working for him or at least alongside him, but he wouldn't have ever been able to turn around and say, right, well, actually, I don't want you. I want somebody else. So that, that's quite interesting, I think. And it, it points to another you know, maybe way of looking at it, which is to say that that position for the recruitment is actually a, a job role that is decided upon by the board of directors of the club rather than the playing staff. Ours is a bit different. So, yeah, we, we had like, I guess the role is almost just below. If you did guess you did an org chart, it'd probably be lower in terms of seniority than the manager. And that's mm-hmm. how it worked with Paul Hurst. Also, he was there with John Askey. And then when Sam Ricketts came in, Sam Ricketts almost froze him out. And then he left because he was kind of almost like, I presume, being ignored. Um, but we've got a head of recruitment who's actually a, a good friend and f- colleague and long-term colleague of, of, of Steve Cottrell. So he is kind of Steve Cottrell's man. Um, so he was at, I can't remember who he was, he was at Cambridge before he came to us. And obviously Cambridge are doing really well this season. So it seems to work. It's an interesting discussion, isn't it, for League One teams and League Two teams. How do you have that model without paying someone 100k a year to be a director mm-hmm. of football? And I guess this kind of head of recruitment, stroke analyst, stroke kind of role is probably the hybrid way to go. And it's worked really well for us. 
I also just want to go back very quickly. You mentioned that you have no debt. Is that literally that your balance sheet is completely, you know, there is no debt to anybody, there's no debt to the owner or anything like that? Nothing. So we built the stadium by selling um, the Gay Meadow in the centre of Shrewsbury for like 13 million or something like that. Um, we used that money to buy the land, build the stadium. We also got an FA um, grant to help build the stadium. And then since then, yeah, we've just had some good FA Cup runs and sold some players. Um, and yeah, so we've literally, so we often do like a finance pod um, with a, a guy who's um, an accountant and he even had the, you know, the guy for the price of football? And Kieran we had him on last time. Yeah. yeah, Kieran Maguire, <laughs> we had him on as well. And talking about Shrewsbury, and he often uses, he often uses Accrington Stanley as the kind of more popular kind of good run club, but he always puts Burton and Shrewsbury in there as well. And yeah, literally in our balance sheet, you can see we had like a million, a couple, like a million in the bank um, and we've got no debt. Obviously, I'm sure we have some debt in terms of buying players and stuff like that, probably paying Pierre off and things like that, that kind of debt. But literally, we don't know who had anything and there's no no issues with shares or loans or anything like that. And Lovely. that's why Lovely. we fans are quite happy. Exactly. The fans are really happy. And because we've got a chairman who's run the club in the right way and he's a safe pair of hands, I guess that's then a risk long term because um yeah, he's he's not an elderly man, but he's you know, he's not he's not thirty five, let's put it that way. Um so there is a little bit of concern what might happen in the future. Yeah, I, th- I think you are right because obviously one of the things that we have at the moment, everything's going wrong in in the fan, you know, from the fans' perspective. You know, the results aren't coming on the pitch, and therefore, and the the, the East Stand isn't finished um, to the to the spec that anybody wanted. Um, there's loads of other things that come out. You know, the fact that you know the balance sheet isn't at zero, and all of this, that, and the other is always then. You know. Our, our our chairman Kevin Thomas has said a number of times. Nobody ever mentions it when you win, but as soon as you lose, everything gets brought up. And I suppose, in in a way, there's nothing really to bring up if you're a Shrewsbury fan. You can just concentrate on the football. Yeah, unless you're losing every week, <laughs> and then the pressure does build up on the chairman. But yeah, it builds up from a choosing manager perspective, um, to rather than yeah anything anything else, um, which is which is positive. But um, yeah, fingers crossed. We can we need to do better as we are than this season. Um, and yeah, we've, we've, that's why fans are excited next year because we should be in a. Obviously, COVID situation is going to be crazy. We don't know what the budgets are going to be, but we. I'd hope that we're going to be, you know, in a better position. Clubs like Shrewsbury, Northampton, Gillingham, these kind of clubs. I'd hope that we're in a, hopefully, in just a bit of a better situation going into next season. Yeah. Well, let's talk about this game then at this weekend. Um, what are you? What are, what are your immediate thoughts when you look ahead at the fixture list and you see right Northampton away over the Easter weekend? Um, what are you thinking? Are you literally just going right? Well, that's a win. We'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nice little I pause do. there, Ollie. <laughs> I do. I do. I don't want to sound too arrogant, but yeah, I do. I, can, I, I be can I give you a quote from the Salopcast podcast this week, Charles? Yeah, go for it, yeah. Uh, quite simply, Northampton are god-awful. We're definitely going to win. <laughs> yeah, we, I can't we, argue with it. It's about we right. Sh- <laughs> we should we should win. We should win. Um, one of the things that we really struggled, and I really struggled with Sam Ricketts, is um, he, he he had no tactics at all and or in-game management, um, where we go into games now with a proper game plan and the game plan that normally works. And if it's not working, we'll make changes which is something that Sam Ricketts could never do. Never, ever. I can't remember 
any of the games when he was manager, he actually kind of did anything apart from bringing Jason Cummins on against Liverpool and he scored. Um, but I'll give Jason Cummings the credit, not the manager for that one. But um, yeah, it's, um, we're really well prepared. Um, I guess it could be a draw, but I'd be, yeah, I'm going to say it now, but I would be surprised if we lost. I really would be surprised, especially as we, we rested our two best players against Pompey. Yeah, you've got Plymouth at home on Monday as well. So yeah. it is a quick turnaround this weekend. Although, having said that, we've been doing Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday for about four years uh, at this moment in time. So uh, it's probably no different to that. I mean, is that why you've rested those players? Was it just because you've got a couple of quick turnaround games coming up, do you think? Yeah, I think it was just like Sean Worley's like 32, 33 now, and Harry Chapman's. Um, wasn't really playing. He's only playing under 23 football when he came to us in January. So, yeah, I think it was just about rotating. And, and we played quite an uninspiring front line of, of Curtis Main and Udo, um, who are not goal scorers at all. And it was a bit of a strange lineup and very slow as well without those two guys in the team. Um, so I think it was, um, yeah, rested. I don't know. May, maybe I'll be surprised if you know both of them don't start. But I guess... I guess it might be that he's planning ahead to Plymouth as well. But yeah, three points against you guys, as you said, would be really key for us in terms of the points on the on the board. Yeah, yeah. Um, so what's the sort of style of play that Cottrell's got you playing? Is it similar to what he had when he was at Bristol City? Not yet, not yet. Um, I think we're a team in transition. Um, we, When he first came in, he did try to like tell the players to try and play at the back. And um, we... Pierre is the best passer of our, our central defenders. With him missing, mm. we've really struggled for that. Against um, Rochdale, interestingly, uh, we played some nice football in the second half and did a really nice passage of play and scored. And then against Charlton, we played some football as well. We've been playing a bit more football, um, but fundamentally, we're a counter-attacking team. And that's where often we come unstuck against teams at the bottom because we have more possession and then we struggle to, to kind of to have that possession. So, I think playing away at your at your gaff will help us because just naturally, I would presume that you'll probably try and dominate possession a bit more. We can play our natural game, which is counter-attacking. But yeah, <laughs> I'm hope. hoping that. Uh, I'm hoping there. But yeah, we are very much a counter-attacking team. That's how we score our best goals. I think that's quite interesting because uh, with us, with the way that John Brady's got us playing, we are looking to play more on the floor, aren't we, Danny? Looking to play a little bit more passing football than the route one that we had under Keith Curl. But uh, trying to, yeah, but yeah, trying is the word. Isn't it? <laughs> I just don't see it being I, I can't see it personally. Uh I, I think it'll be even if you look at like the stats in terms of possession and things like that. I think that'll look pretty even, especially up towards half time. But I wouldn't be surprised to see Shrewsbury come out at the end of the game with, you know, a much more dominant set of statistics than, than us, which may well, actually, listening to what you've just said, Ollie, play into our hands a little bit. Um, we've got, obviously, score, which won't happen uh, in order to win it. But, um, yeah, it, it, you never know. I, this is the thing, isn't it, with, with League One at the moment, is that as down and out as I feel right now about the Cobblers and about how good we are, or bad we are, I should maybe say, Every team can in this division can actually beat another team. And yeah. that's down to the fact that every team has an off day more often than, than maybe they do in other divisions this season. Whoever scores first 
if like Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank said this um, when we played that Shrewsbury are not a team you want to go one nil down against. Mm-hmm. So if we get an early goal, yeah, we're just going to sit back, um, defend very, very organ, well organised, and just wait to hit you on the counter attack. Um, and that's yeah. how we've got our best results um, through getting that early goal. Uh, we got the early goal against MK Dons, and yeah, they just well they just tried to play the ball out the back and gifted us three go- three goals. So if we get an early goal, or like we did against Burton as well, we got an early goal there and then just defended, got a second goal, and then they scored a kind of bit of a consolation goal later on. But yeah, if we get that first goal, and as you guys have seen it, you know, there's like Gillingham tonight, they got that one goal. One goal can often decide these games this season because it is such a an odd season. Yeah. Okay. Well, look, let's uh, finish up then with some predictions. Uh, Danny, I'll, I'll go to you first, mate. What are you thinking? Um, <laughs> uh, I think we should get a player sent off because Shrewsbury seems to struggle against 10 men. Oh, don't do that. So let's get McWilliams battered into someone in the first five minutes because Shrewsbury seems to, yeah, he seems to struggle against 10 men. I think Marky's got sent off, didn't he, against, uh, yeah, he for, for Portsmouth negation. Now he's suspended for the next three, which is Rochdale, Wigan and Burton. So that's not very helpful to us either. Um, <laughs> But so I think let's get McWazza in there. First five minutes, 10 men, nil nil. <laughs> you do right. love getting players sent off against us as well. Remember that game in the promotions pushing season when one was that O'Toole guy tried to lamp Ogogo um, Og, um, yes. and got sent off. Yeah, and then we've yeah. also Sean Wally's got your left back sent off multiple times because he kept trying to kick him off the pitch. So there is a record, <laughs> there is a theme here. Yeah, yeah like, you're right. Let's get someone sent off in the first five minutes. We'll be right. <laughs> uh, I, I'm going to be um, I'm going to be as optimistic as I possibly can and say that we will draw one all. I think that we'll I think we'll we'll probably get the first goal, but you'll hit back fairly late on. I think we'll we'll probably concede that equaliser in the last 10 minutes, around about sort of maybe the 84th, 85th minute, which is maybe a little bit too late for you to go on and grab the winner, he says. Fingers crossed, <laughs> tapping lots of wood. Um, but at the same time, it will knock the stuffing out of us completely and we won't have anywhere else to go because we'll have basically been hanging on for that lead for as long as we've had it without trying to attack again, uh, knowing us. Um, so yeah, I'll go, I'll go one all, which I think will be a decent result on paper. I mean, obviously we need to win every game really, but having consigned ourselves or myself to being relegated, I think one all would be a decent result. What about you, Ollie? This is your opportunity to, to lay the smack down. I'm going to stick with my prediction. I did in my pod on Sunday and stay with two, no win to Shrewsbury. Okay, that's not too bad then. I was expecting more like five. No, we don't score <laughs> that many goals. Um, yeah, I can see, I can see um, Harry Chapman coming back and scoring again, and he only scores long ranges. He okay. scored, he scored one goal from like an inch off the line, and all and five from outside the box. So if he gets the ball near the edge of the box. Yeah, that's that's, an, that's not a good sign for you guys potentially. Well, lovely. Well, look, Ollie, thank you very much for joining us. It's been a pleasure having you, mate. Thank you, Danny, for joining me as usual and being here. And thank you guys for listening. It's been fab having you for the preview show once more. We'll be back next week on Tuesday with It's All Cobblers to Me. Thanks very much for listening. See you soon. Goodbye. Ooh. 
There's the pictures you'll see on tomorrow's back pages. The Cobblers are going through into Division 1. Bring them on because we deserve it. I'm Tom Cliff, Cobblers fan and proud owner of Track NN and Cafe Track. Track NN is a social enterprise set up in 2018 to support autistic people to access employment through training, support services and creating opportunities. Research showed that just 16% of autistic adults were in full-time employment and this is something which we are going to change. We opened our cafe on the Market Square in Northampton in January 2019 as a place where individuals could work and develop their employability skills and also be a place where people were free to be themselves. Since opening the cafe in January 2019, we have supported 36 people into paid employment and created over 75 work experience placements and visits for individuals. Since the coronavirus outbreak, we've not been able to open Cafe Track to its full capacity and we've instead taken our offering online. You can help support us by buying coffee virtually at buymeacoffee.com forward slash cafe track. Your money goes to helping us to continue to create opportunities for autistic adults to gain employment. Support the podcast on Patreon by joining the It's All Cobblers to Me fan club. Every month, you'll receive access to exclusive bonus content such as our Meet the Staff series, hear our player interviews before anyone else, and be invited to regular meetups. By joining the fan club, you'll be helping us to continue our sponsorship of NTFC women's player Abby Bruin and enable us to keep the podcast and all our other content going to the high standards you expect. To join the fan club, go to patreon.com forward slash cobblers to me. Sports Social Podcast Network.